Today we are here with Sydney and Wilma Andrews. Uh, also present is John Kishpoth. My name is Nancy Kishpoth. We're at the Andrews home. Um, I don't know your address. 2500 North 10th. North 10th, okay. And today is March 31st, 2014. And we're here to do an oral history interview with Sydney because I understand he's had a really fascinating life according to his wife of, of many years and I'd like to know more about you. So uh, I wondered what what is your full name Sydney? Sydney Herbert Nicholas Andrews. Wow were you named after someone in particular? Or, uh, or? Named, named after my grandfather and my two uncles. Okay. Or my, my father's two uncles. Alrighty. And when and where were you born? In Missouri, India, in 1926. How do, how do you spell Missouri? M-U-S-S-O-O-R-I-E. What part of India is that in? It's up in the Himalayas, was, up high in the mountains. Was it cold there? Very cold. Wow. And, and particularly in the winter. How did you come to to be born in India. What were your parents doing in My India? My parents were medical missionaries. Oh, for a particular organization? Seventh-day Adventist. And how long were they in India? About six years, maybe seven. So how, what part of that period were you born I in? I was there for about Four or five years. It'd be a short five. Uh-huh. Did you have brothers and sisters? No. You're an only child then. Okay. Um, let's see. What was it? What kind of dwelling did they live in in India? Well, they lived in the house. It was... I can't remember. Okay. I didn't know if your memories went back that far or oh, not. No. No. Oh. And I I saw a picture somewhere of you walking with an Indian gentleman. My Bera. Ah. My nurse. Okay. It's in there on the front uh -huh. wall by the by the front door. Do you have memories of India then? No. Of that time now? What brought you back to the States then? Was Well, they just wanted to come back. Okay. And uh got to England. And they couldn't get me into America because I didn't have a passport. Oh. And uh, my my father had his because he had gotten cleared. But I hadn't gotten cleared to get back mm -hmm. to get into the United States. So they had to spend spend about six months in England before they could get me into the United States. Wow. That, there's another story that goes along with that, but we'll wait. You'll wait on that one. Well, well I'll tell, tell you. Me. I'll tell you now. Okay. Uh, of course, during World War II, I joined the Navy uh, to keep from being drafted, and uh, came out, and ultimately got married, and we were teaching in a town in 
in uh, uh, in Colorado, and the county clerk said, "Well, are you registered for the for the?" We were going to play bridge with the county clerk and her husband, and she says, "Are you registered?" No, but we'll we'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow, she says, "Oh no, I can do it now." So she said, uh, "And are you a citizen?" And I said, "Well, sure." She says, "Well, I think we better check that." So she checked, and she says, "No, you're not a citizen." Well, I just assumed that I was a citizen because my dad, my, my dad got his citizenship in 1937. And she says, no, you're not, but we can hurry it up. And uh, I got my citizenship in about a week. Wow. And, uh, you know, I just assumed being in the Navy and my dad getting his citizenship that I was a citizen. But okay. you don't have to be a citizen to be in the service. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't either at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where, where was your dad from then? You said he got his citizenship? Well, he was from England. Oh. He was English. Uh-huh. And uh, his... Uh, what was his name? Ronald. Ronald Alfred Andrews. And uh, he... Uh, his father died when he was three months old. And his mother ultimately went ahead and married a guy by the name of Lacey, and they had a daughter. And so my dad had three, or had two half-sisters. I had two aunts, and uh, one of them was very, very wealthy and didn't give a damn about us. And the other one came over with my grandmother and lived with us for about a year, and my grandmother died. My grandmother was a pianist. She taught Queen, Queen Elizabeth to play the piano. And, uh, oh, I used to sit out in a, in a cold front entrance way into a big old two-story house. There was a piano, and she'd play. I'd sit out there until she gets a cold. She couldn't play anymore. Oh, I love to hear her play. But that was interesting. Oh, yes. Okay, shoot. Um, so you were in England for six months, and then you finally were able to get into the United States. Yeah, they um, got me a passport. Uh huh. So where did you go then? To where Boulder, Colorado. Boulder was where they settled? And well, that's where they they met in Boulder, ah. got married, went to India, and came back to Boulder, still working in... Uh, my dad went over there to get his m medical degree. Uh, he had a nursing degree. My mother had her nursing degree. They came back to Boulder and she went to nursing, and he nursed for a while, and then got a job selling 
Chevrolets for Pike Chevrolet Company. And uh, he never went, went into the medical profession at all after that. So did they stay in Boulder then? Well, they stayed in Boulder. They were in Boulder and they went to Denver for a year and a half and then came back to Boulder. And uh, they uh, stayed in Boulder and they both died there. Uh, was that where your mother was from? Or? No, she was from Stratton, Colorado. Oh. Which is a little town out in eastern Colorado. On Highway 70, basically. Uh-huh. Right straight east of Denver. Hmm. And it's a little tiny town. Um, my grandfather built a house. Of and then he uh, asked somebody to get him a mail order bride from, and they got a mail order bride from Chicago. Was that from Sears or oh, Montgomery Ward or? I, I, don't, I heard someone that. I can't that. answer that. Uh-huh. But the agreement was that they'd send her out if granddad would take care of her invalid sister. So he he agreed, and they sent her out, and they dumped them off in Nebraska, and he'd gone up in a spring wagon and pick them up. She, he got married there, picked up the aunt and my grandmother, came back to Stratton. He had built a shack for my Aunt Ina, and she lived in that the rest of her life. And she heated it in a big old belly... Billy, uh, one of those pot belly stoves. Pot belly stove with corn cobs. Of course, oh. they had no wood out there in that country, right. and uh, so she had corn cobs. And uh, whenever we went down, my my aunt that lived there with them was three years older than I am, and uh, whenever we'd get down there. The grand, uh, my two cousins and me and Ethelyn, we'd go over on the railroad tracks and walk up and down the railroad tracks picking up coal. Oh. See, that was in the time that the, the trains burned coal and it would fall off the tenders and we'd keep and pick them up. And uh, it was kind of interesting. And... My grandfather would take me, he was a blacksmith, and he'd take me to his blacksmith shop, and I'd sit there and watch him. Oh, it was interesting, really. A man hammering on iron and fitting it onto wheels, and when noon came, he'd get his, his beer, beer bucket and we'd go up to the beer joint and he'd get a bucket of beer and get me a soda pop and then we'd go over and they had free sandwiches so we'd eat sandwiches i'd drink my pop he'd drink his beer we'd go back to back to the shop and uh, i think i was the only one of course there were only two of us boys 
I don't think Bud ever, I don't think he ever took Bud, but uh, I don't know. When uh, nobody but I believe this, we uh, finally, as the years went by, my dad bought me a 410 shotgun and go down there. And of course, that was in the days when there were lots and lots of uh, there were lots and lots of uh, jackrabbits. Uh -huh. And uh, I'd take my shotgun, go to railroad tracks over on the other side of the railroad tracks and there were sh shotgun uh, jackrabbits all over and I'd shoot a jackrabbit and there was the biggest Great Dane anybody ever saw was right there to take my jackrabbit and he'd take it off and eat it and then I'd shoot another one he'd be there and pick it up and and I'd go home and tell the folks that what had happened. No, they didn't believe me. But every time I went over there to shoot a jackrabbit, he followed me. Yeah. And uh, I kind of quit hunting jackrabbits. And At least in that part of the country. Well... It was a long way down there in those days, and it was dirt roads, and uh, it wasn't fun fun drive. Um, what was your earliest childhood memory? If you think back, my earliest earliest memory was my dad put me on a we had a sh huge silk pillow and he'd put me on that after I had polio on both see I had polio on both legs were paralyzed in my left arm and uh, he'd put me on that and take me up to the fire station and uh, he'd play cards with firemen and I'd sit and watch Mr. DeFreeze tie flies and then he'd take me back but my parents my parents deserve a lot of credit. Uh, sister Kenny, the Catholic sister who studied in Australia and studied uh, polio and she came back with the theory that you needed to massage each limb 15 minutes three times a day and my parents massage both legs and my left arm 15 minutes and finally I could walk a little and uh, went from one thing to another but uh, that's my earliest remembrance was when dad had put me on that pillow and take me up to the fire station. Was this when you were in Boulder? Yeah. And how old would you have been? How old were you when you got polio? Five. So you were back here in the United States. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, then I was even strong enough to go to 
kindergarten when I was six and uh, went to grade school when I was seven and uh, went to grade, grade school with one close friend, Donnie Armstead. He and I got in all kinds of trouble. Uh, but we usually didn't get caught. We did not get caught. We did bad things, but were smart enough to get away with it. <laughs> what kind of things did you do? Oh, throw snowballs at cars and things like that. And uh, we finally dis figured out that if we threw the snowball high enough and it came down on top of the car, they wouldn't know where it came from. Uh -huh. And it worked out that way. So we used to have a lot of fun. Uh, we had, in those days in Boulder, they uh, blocked off streets for sledders. And uh, we'd take our sledders to the top of the street and just go like the very belly be damned because of Boulder's a pretty steep hill town. And it would come down to a street that leveled off and they'd have gravel there to slow you down uh -huh. or you could go around it. And just all depend on how much time we had to get back up. We 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 sledded a lot. How long were you how long were you in Boulder? Oh, we were in Boulder until I graduated from high school. High school. Well, we met, we were that year and a half uh, during the 7th and the first part of the 8th grade we were in Denver. Okay. But we weren't there uh, very long. What high school did you go to? Boulder. Boulder High School. Yeah, that was the only high school in town at that time. And uh, we... Uh, I, I played football. Well, my dad asked me if I wanted to go to Boulder High School or to Campion, which is Seventh-day Adventist High School. And I said, oh, I want to go to Boulder High School because I want to play football. And that was the end of that. And uh, when I was a senior, we won the state championship. Wow. First time Boulder had ever won it. So... So you never let polio slow you down or be a handicap? No, both of them, there's no difference. Mm -hmm. um, when I played football in college, uh, I was offered a scholarship on top of my GI Bill, so I played football. and. Uh, I played football two years, and then the third year, I, I just uh, I was 26 years old by then, mm -hmm. and I just decided the football was not for me, and uh, I was over at a friend of mine's house where we kept our boats, and I was working on a kayak of mine, and this football coach came over, and he said, uh, you're your practice equipment is is in such and such a locker, and here's the combination of the key to the lock. And I says, 
Coach, I don't want to play football anymore. Just take it back with you. He says, now wait just a minute. He says, I have three classes that you have to take from me. You're not going to pass any one of the three. And so that afternoon, I had to go up. I was selected to go up and clean out a man's uh, water supply. And uh, another guy and I were up there, and I told Ronnie, I said, hey, I'm so weak, I can't, can't pull these rocks up here anymore. Uh, I'm going to have to put the rocks in the bucket, and you pull them up. So he did, and they almost didn't get me out of the well. And uh, I went home, and man, I felt terrible, and I was really weak, and... The girl, or the man whose daughter and I went to high school, went together when I was a senior, uh, and that's another story. Uh, we kind of grew up together. Uh -huh. We were more boyfriend, boy, sister and brother than boy than boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, he came by and says, take me out to go fishing. I said, I will, Dean, if you, uh, if you uh, take me home. He says, well, that's a good deal. So I took him out and he caught a few fish. This was in Gunnison. And he, he caught a few fish. We, uh, and then we went, went home. And by the time I got to, got home, I could hardly breathe. And they took me directly to Children's Hospital in Denver, put me in an iron lung, and I just reached down and pulled the cord. I says, I'm not going to live in one of those damn things. And uh, about a month, uh, I was breathing easier, and uh, I, that was the fall of the year, and I didn't go back to school till the next fall, and that football coach got fired. <laughs> but... Uh, How old were you then? 20? 26. Okay. And... Uh, So I've got to tell you about that. Uh, Dean, Dean taught me to shoot a shotgun, but that's kind of beside the point. Like I was saying, his daughter and I kind of grew up together, and she went with Scott Carpenter, the astronaut. Mm -hmm. When she was a sophomore and he was a senior, and uh, I was dating a girl who was standing up in the back of a pickup with two other girls when when 
her dad was driving and went around the corner, threw all three of them out, and she got hit her head on a uh, rock and killed her. And uh, Dee Dee says, well, you don't have a girlfriend, and I don't think I'm going to get asked to do anything. Let you and I just go together this year. So we did, mm-hmm. and we had a good time. Uh, never kissed once. <laughs> we were just... Good friends? Good friend type thing. And we still commun- communicate. I communicate with her because she is on the verge of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. She doesn't uh, call call anybody, but I call her. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Interesting people they are. So that kind of interrupted your, your college then. Well, I was out of college for that one winter and spring term. And where were you going to school? The Western State College in Colorado. But I went ahead and graduated. And uh, I taught school there in Gunnison two years. And uh, then I was hired by the Game and Fish Department to uh, troubleshoot the southwest region of the state. And uh, I had a all but the written exam for a commercial pilot's license. And so I flew the game fish department airplane some, and uh, uh, I just worked for the game fish department for two years, and they said, well, you're, you've gone as high as you can go until you get a little more degree like we need. So I'd gone back to take some chemistry and biology when I met her. Ah. And I thought, she is not someone I want to put out on pasture when I'm going around to seeing all these problems. Because I had seen how the other game wardens wives when I was troubleshooting I'd go to their house and ask well is Jim here no he hasn't I don't know where he is he hasn't and they'd be all worried Uh and I just figured hell with that that's not worth it and yet I had the best best job in the whole state Uh, had a beautiful little two bedroom house Uh um, free and uh, but it was a small one, very small, two bedroom, a kitchen, and dining room together. And uh, it was in the middle of a big uh, uh, hay hay meadow. They cut the hay twice a year, and I didn't have anything to do with that. And they all looked at would look after my house. But I uh, turned that down, and then Wilma and I went went to teaching together. And we talked together all over Colorado. What did you teach? I was teaching health and physical education, and 
she taught in the elementary school. elementary school and uh, then uh, I took the what do you call those exams that I took up in Alaska? Graduate, when we went to Alaska yeah. for the summer and flew up to Nome and, Nome and came back and his one of his buddies was there and, and uh, said, well, let's take the graduate, I'm gonna take the graduate record exam. Come on, Sid, let's take the graduate record so exam. So we took them. Took them. And, uh, and uh, they both scored real high and uh, I applied to the University of Denver, which is considered the Harvard of the West, and they, I was accepted there, and I got my doctorate there. And Fred went to Florida, to Gainesville, and got his doctorate there in administration. And what, what was your doctorate in? Health and physical, Health and education, physical education, among others. Uh -huh. Wellness and statistics. He, he, you he had died. multiple multiple yeah. fields of study. Come here, Jill. Can, can you tell me what those, what she all? She can tell you, I can't remember them all. Remember? Well, statistics, health and wellness, um, exercise physiology, um, philosophy, philosophy of religion and philosophy of education, and he taught a lot of philosophy of religion classes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I gotta tell you this one. I used to I was teaching philosophy uh, at this community college, and the second unit that I taught was philosophy of religion. And the first first year I taught it, I had um, twelve or fourteen kids in the class. And uh, what I'd do, I would introduce, uh, ask the kids what they wanted, what religion they wanted to study. And uh, then I would introduce them to that religion. Then I would bring in a minister or a representative of that religion to ask questions on Thursday. It's two-day-a-week class, Tuesday and Thursday. And of course, always uh, uh, Catholicism. Catholicism was one of them. And uh, so I had Monsignor Versregan would come and talk to the students. And second year, uh, we had to hold the class in the gymnasium. There were that many, just ever all the kids in school were in there, and this uh, one girl says, "Well, Father Rasragan, do you think the only way to go to heaven is to be a Catholic?" And he says, "Oh no, I know lots. I'm not going to make it, but I think it's the easiest way." <laughs> Great old man. Yeah, he was from Ireland and with his little hat, uh -huh. black hat, and uh, and we lived in an apartment right across the street from Saint uh, Saint, Saint Luke's. Yeah, Saint Luke's. Anyway, 
and the parsonage was over here and he liked to drink beer and so and boy we were we had hardly any money and but we we would buy a six pack of beer and some popcorn so whenever father <laughs> and father Vershagen would come to visit so they could talk philosophy and we'd hear this tap 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 he he had a cane and he'd come with his little black hat on and his pipe and he we'd hear tap 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 and Sydney said get the beer out pop some popcorn here comes father <laughs> and they would sit and talk philosophy yeah oh we had a great religion time. and they had a great great time oh man but anyhow that was uh, that was uh, really an interesting time and the University of Denver was interesting because they had never issued a, a degree in health and physical education and there were people there that didn't think anybody studying health and physical education could get a degree and uh, in fact I had people challenge it but they didn't do them any good. And uh, we went from there to North Carolina and taught in Boone, North Carolina, three in, years. In Boone, North Carolina? Boone. Oh. At Appalachian State University. Appalachian State University. And uh, we had adopted a, a girl, three-year-old girl, when we were on our way out there. And... Uh, She skied with us and did all things, and I came home from work one one day, and she came up to me and she says, Daddy, I need my hair cut. And I look at Wilma, I said, we don't want her talking south. <laughs> I resigned that day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, there were a few other reasons about that, but that was as good as any. We decided we didn't really want to stay there forever with our daughter. We'd rather raise her in the Midwest or where there wasn't so much, many prejudice because he was the first Yank that went, was hired at Appalachian State University at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, there was an editorial in the paper about this crazy Dr. Andrews and all his crazy ideas. Every uh, week. Oh, and, and it was unallowed. Women could not wear any kind of slacks, even in the cold weather. And, uh, oh, there were just so many silly rules. And uh, we just got tired of always having to read the editorials about him. And so we it decided... It didn't bother me at all. I just figured the hell would, with them. Uh, moved to Oregon, he had a chance to go there and start, build a program, of which he did. And three years after we got there, they sent out the assistant to the president and the head of the curriculum department to ask him would he please begged him to come back, but we weren't going to go back at that point um, in time. Basically double my salary. But, you know, money wasn't that important. It was important, more important to us to be happy. 
where what we part were. Of, what part of Oregon were you in then? Boone. No, Bend. I mean Bend, Bend Oregon. Central Oregon. Uh, Central Oregon, right up in the mountains. Uh-huh. Uh, At the university? No, it was a uh, community college. Ah. What college was that? Central. C Central Oregon Community College. It's now a four-year college, but mm -hmm. at that yeah. point in time it was Central Oregon Community College. So you you have a daughter then? Yeah. And what was her name? Delany. How, how do you spell Delany? D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. And there she is right back there. Right here. Yeah. Oh. She's there beautiful. she is when she was three years old. When we right first below got her. her. Uh -huh. And uh, there she is with her two sons, our two grandsons, up there by the guy with the fishing uh -huh. fish. What are your grandsons' names? Pardon? What are the grandsons' names? Andrew and Brandon. Where do they live? In Hollywood. Wow. She is a photographer. Uh, Andrew is an actor, and Brandon is going to school. And flipping hamburgers. Well, <laughs> you must be very proud of them. They're good. Yeah. There's a pickup out in the garage that I'm giving her when she comes out here. Oh. Because I can't use it anymore. Uh-huh. And she said she'd just love to have his pickup. So, to haul all her photography equipment in when she has to photograph on the set or on the spot. So, mm -hmm. that'll work out real well. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's so, good. So, how long were you in Bend, Oregon then? 22 years. And then what? Then we went to Arizona. Oh. I went there. I coached golf when I was in Bend. And uh, one of my golfers had a brother that was trying to run a nine-hole golf course in Phoenix. And he called me and wanted me to come down and uh, helped straighten out that golf course. And how'd we get that trailer? Well, uh, we borrowed a trailer first and went there with a with a borrowed trailer. Oh, and, and then I I lived in this borrowed trailer while we were straightening up this nine hole. And by then, he had found some land he could buy and got me and he says, I want to show you when I want to build a golf course. Ooh. And we went out and it was absolutely the most desolate place I've ever seen. I said, do you really think we can build a golf course here? He says, oh yeah, we got the water. Ooh. And I said, well, if you want to give it a try, I'm willing. And we went on that damn desolate land and uh, had a bunch of palm trees on, uh, 
that w we got and put in boxes and could, and we kept those well uh, watered watered and we just talked to the head groundskeeper today Philip yes and um another one of my golfers mm -hmm. and talked to another one of my golfers today and uh, we got the whole, uh, he, he had a partner who won the 500 Indianapolis 500 race. Tom, Tom Sneva, Tom, Tom Sneva. Uh -huh. And so they called it the 500 club. Oh. It's still the 500 Club, and uh, and it's a great fun golf course to play because there are lots of hills on it, and you go uh -huh. up and down and all around, <laughs> and lots of ponds. You have to. Hit so them. they. So it's there. Wow. What came next after that? We came here, and. Uh, what brought you back? To well, Wilma was born and raised here. Uh huh. Me, I don't. I basically don't have any family. Mm -hmm. I have one cousin that keeps in touch with us, and she's a good good friend. But uh, he didn't want to go back to Colorado because Colorado had changed too much. He said Boulder was too much. Any of the places that we we used to spend time was so overcrowded mm -hmm. that he didn't want to go there. And um, the more we came here, we decided, uh, my brother in, in Springfield, Missouri wanted us to go there, and my brother in Dallas wanted us to go there, my brother in Houston wanted us to go there, but we decided to come here. But we did go to Houston when I had kidney, kidney cancer. cancer. Uh -huh. Yeah, and if if it hadn't been for her brother and sister-in-law in Houston, we'd never been able to take the treatments for this. They took me down there and told me, well, you got a 2% chance of getting through this. And I said, well, do I have any chance at all of living? They said, no. I said, well, 2% is better than none. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so they said, well, go get your hair cut. And they shaved my head. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took took my first treatment. And I don't rem I remember zero for mm -hmm. six months. Absolutely nothing and for six months. And quite a bit that he doesn't remember after that. But mm -hmm. finally his, his memory... Uh, there's a lot of it gone, but there's still a lot of it left, which is a good thing. <laughs> wow. How long ago was that? In 2006. So that was eight years ago. Oh. Wow. So, you know, we've had an adventurous life. I've heard something about... St. Andrews, you played St. Andrews. Oh yeah, we played, we played St. Andrews a couple of times, twice, and we played a lot of Scottish courses 
In fact, we played enough Scottish courses that we seriously were looking for an apartment to rent so that we can go back in the summer mm -hmm. just to play. But because it's just really interesting, you can drive up, drive around on a little road, and here a sign says golf. And so you go in there, and there's a tin can, and it tells you how much it costs, and you put your money in the tin can, and it may be five holes, maybe nine holes. You don't ever know till you get there and you pay your money and you place through the sheep doo-doo. And it's really interesting. Interesting old fallen down buildings, but it was great fun. That's when we rented a car and we had our own clubs with us, you see. And we... We had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and so is that, that influenced where you bought this house that's adjacent to the golf course? Well, this is the house that came available. Uh, we, were living in, we were living in the apartments over there on... On Park Street when we first moved here. Mm -hmm. But this one came available, and certainly it, 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 it influenced uh -huh. our purchase. Because we could always drive right over there on the golf course oh, and yeah. play. Which was a lot different than in Arizona. The first time uh, when we got moved in and we had our golf course, I called up to see how many days in advance we needed to ask for a tee time. And the, the pro laughed and said, well, you don't have to have a tea time here. You just get in your cart, and if there's nobody playing, just go ahead and play. <laughs> oh. And we thought, man, we have a, a golden opportunity here. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's a great golf course. In Phoenix, you have to have your, your tea time a week in advance or more uh -huh. for both clubs that we were associated with. <laughs> so of all the places you've gone, what's your favorite place? Do you have a favorite place in all your travels? And I guess uh, Oregon would be because everything I ever wanted to do was right there at my fingertips. Hunting, fishing, golf. Fly fishing ocean fishing, all kinds of fishing. But I had I had hunting dogs and uh, when I'd get time I'd just jump them in the in the pickup one, I only had one at a time jump them in the pickup and we'd we'd go hunt chuckers Hungarians Quail. Hmm. Pheasants. Well, yeah, but the season was ex very extended for truckers uh, and Hungarians and quail. Pheasants. Chuckers. Chuckers is, is a. It's a partridge. A partridge. And it goes chucka 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 chucka. You can hear them in uh -huh. the hills. And Hungarians are what? Partridge. Those are partridges. Okay. Wow. 
but they weren't near as good as Chucker as far as eating was mm-hmm. concerned. And we had a lot of quail. And did we your had wife come along with you on those? Did she like to fish and hunt? Oh, she came if she wanted to. Can she she usually didn't want to. <laughs> well, some of their trips were pretty wild. When uh-huh. they went out in the Alvord Desert, there was a hot spring out there, and he went with I'll his... tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell them that story. It's Ted really Dow, who was a knife maker and now dead, and I were good friends. Internationally known one. And um, I took him out trucker hunting. I had a special place out in the uh, out by the Alvord Desert. Now the Alvord Desert is where Sir Malcolm Camel, the Englishman, set the world speed record when he set it. On the Indian. Sir Malcolm Camel, the what was he English speed speedster, oh. who set the world speed record, uh, and he set it on the Alvor Desert. It, it was uh-huh. a f- very flat uh-huh. place, and, okay. and they were testing these uh, cars for oh, okay. speed. And but anyhow, there's hot springs. And uh, comes down and goes into a hot pool, a not-so-hot pool, a not-so-hot pool, and then it goes out in the stream Mm -hmm. into the Alvor Desert. But around these pools is a tin fence all all the way around so that the people on on the road don't, you can't see who's in there, but there's bullet holes in them. Yeah. <laughs> and Ted and I are in this hot pool drinking whiskey. <laughs> and uh, this car pulls up. I hear the door slam. And I said, boy, better look. I don't want somebody shooting a hole in this. Looking... And there's two women. They're in their birthday suit, of course. Of course, yeah, we were in our birthday suits. And I said, well, maybe they won't come. He said, yeah, I don't think they will. Well, they started to come. They came and they came and they crossed one tube of 12 got to another tube of 12, crossed it, and we're coming to a tube of six, and I was about to holler to them, tell them to wait till we got our clothes on, and they looked at the tube of six and decided that was too narrow, turned around and walked back, got in the car and drove on. <laughs> so we finished the bottle of whiskey and... <laughs> That's a great story. We slept on... We had our sleeping bags, slept by the side of the car that night, killed a few truckers, got home the next day. Great country. If I had, if I had to 
if I wasn't here and I had to live anywhere, it would be there. It'd be in Central Oregon. Of course, right now I couldn't do anything anyhow, so I'm just as well off here as I would be there because I, I couldn't hunt fish or do any of that anymore. But if you had had it to do over again, you might. No, I'd probably still come you'd here. You'd still come here. Okay. Um. Can you tell me the story of how you, how you two met? How did you meet Wilma? <laughs> well, that is interesting. <laughs> I was bowling. I was going to college. And I was on a bowling team. And uh, we bowled, and it was about 10 o'clock, and I walked out of the door, and, and uh, the gal that was a high school uh, secretary, secretary uh, met me, she and her boyfriend met me on the outside and said, you gotta come with us. We've got a girl you wanna, I want you to meet. And I says, I ain't going anywhere, I'm going to bed. I gotta get up at four o'clock in the morning and go deer hunting. <laughs> the opening day of deer season. And she says, oh, doesn't make any difference, won't take long. And to make a long story short, I said, okay, I want a quart of Guggenheimers and I'll throw the cork away and I'll just drink it till it's gone. So I got a quart, a quart of Guggenheimers, threw the cork out the window and started swigging on it. And she, she was in a cabin her dad owned uh, about 20 miles away. And, we pulled into this cabin, and, and my my a, a close friend of mine, who became my best man, uh, was with us. He was on the same bowling team, and we get up to the walk in the front door, and here's this ugly girl that I hand off to Wally and I take Wilma and we go into the kitchen and she's got a little record player in there. 45 RPM boy. And we start dancing and we dance until 3.30 in the morning and I said hey now I gotta get the hell out of here I gotta get up at 4 o'clock and uh, we're going deer hunting. <laughs> so I said, I'll see you later. Off we went. And we met periodically on campus, and I'd take her for a cup of coffee. And uh, the winter formal was coming along, and, and uh, finally she asked me, she says, are you going to ask me to the winter formal, or do I have to accept? Uh, accept one of these other invitations. I says, oh, I didn't know whether you wanted to go with me. She says, well, ask me. 
So, <laughs> so I did. She said, she said, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. So. <laughs> Tell him about your car, though. Well, I'm borrowed this car, but they had to wire the door shut. <laughs> On Any, my side. Anyhow, we went to the dance, and uh, he borrowed a pickup and came and got me in the pickup. But um, we went to the dance and. to quarters ending and I knew she had to go to Canyon City and I said well why don't you let me take you to Canyon City that'll save you a bus trip she says okay so jump in my pickup and uh, take her to Canyon City and I go to Boulder and uh, after a while, and they said, well, what the hell? No use her having to go back there in a bus. So I called her up, and I said, uh, now, if I come down and get you, will you come up here, and I'll treat you to a spaghetti dinner, and you can meet my folks, and we'll go to Gunnison from here. And she says, yeah, that'd be fine. So I did. And her mama told her daddy, I think you just saw your new son-in-law. <laughs> but uh, we go up there and, and uh, I treat her to the best spaghetti dinner in, as far as I'm concerned, the world. And... Uh, We go up on Flagstaff Mountain, which is a world-famous mountain by Boulder. I, and I asked her to marry me. And she said, well, I'll think about it. <laughs> and I thought, that'll fix that. <laughs> and uh, the next morning she comes to my room. She says, yes. And I think, what the hell is she saying yes about? <laughs> Finally, she says, yes, I'll marry you. And I said, oh, what have I done? I drove in second gear all the way to halfway, halfway to Gunnison before I dropped it down in the third gear. And... Uh, But I haven't told you about my grandmother and grandfather. Did I tell you about my grandmother? No. Well, she was a mail order bride. Right. And, uh... From where? Yeah, I didn't do tell you. You told me some. I didn't know if there was more. No. Okay. She was a great gal. They came up and lived in in our house in Boulder, in a two-bedroom house. Well, that's when I slept on above the garage. Um, but uh, they lived for two years up there. Wow. Okay.
I'm gonna shift gears on you a little bit because I'm curious about um, people that you knew, like who was the oldest person you ever remember relative? My grandfather. Your grandfather? Don't know how old he was. He's half Cherokee Indian ah. and they don't have any records, but I know he was over 80. And what was his name? Scott Reddy. And, uh, but he's the oldest person I, re I remember. Did you tell her where he was born? No, he was born on the Trail of Tears. Ah. And uh, in Illinois, Iowa, up in there, and a uh, wagon train picked him up. His mother died. And a wagon train picked him up, took him to Colorado, and the the Arapaho Indians raised him. And uh, he tried to file a uh, uh, gold claim, gold claim, at Cripple Creek, Colorado, but they wouldn't let him file because he was an Indian. So he went out to eastern Colorado and had sheep, and but ended up being a blacksmith. Hmm. And what was your your religion growing up? Seventh Day Adventist. Yes. Is that? Do you, are you still with the Seventh Day no, Adventist? No, with the Christian here. Christian. Uh huh. Um. What was, what was dinner like at your house? Did you all sit down and eat at the table together? There were only three of us, mother and dad and I. Uh -huh. Yeah, we always sat down at the table. I said the blessing and uh, I can remember many nights all we had was bread and milk. Mm -hmm. And uh, But tell her how the table was always set. Oh, and it was always set with a napkin. Mm-hmm. Napkin rings. And... Tablecloth. Well, yeah, the tablecloth. The fork on the left, the knife and spoon on the right. Every time, it was that way. Mm-hmm. Because that's the way it was supposed to be. Uh -huh. According to the Englishman. Uh-huh. That was my dad. So we ate that way. How about when it was you and Wilma and Delany? Delany? Mm -hmm. Did you all sit down to a traditional sure. dinner sure. for meals like that? Sure. Um, did you have any special family traditions? Like at Christmas time or Easter or any of the holidays or, or just things that you did every year? Reunions no. or picnics or we shared uh, shared presents every Christmas and always had birthday gifts, but uh, other than that, nothing really. 
I can remember only one Christmas present I was given. Santa Claus brought it to me. It was a drum. And uh, I beat that drum all day long. Boy, I loved it. And uh, I went to bed that night. Got up the next day, couldn't find it. And we looked all over for that drum. Never did find that drum. Just don't know what could have happened to it. Do you have suspicions about what happened to it? Now I have suspicions. Somebody got tired of hearing the drum, huh? (laughs) I'm sure my mother or dad or both got Mm. tired of it. What was going on in the world what, as you were growing up, the world events that you remember? Like, I remember when John Glenn orbited the Earth and the first man on the moon and um, the Vietnam War. Um, what events in the world were going on that impacted well, of course, you? Or, when I grew up, it was the Depression. Um, and uh what year were you born 26 and uh i joined the navy in 1943 so i wouldn't be drafted didn't want to slog around that mud so world war ii impacted yeah and uh, a lot of people don't realize this I saw on television the other day that they're touting the loss of 6,000 lives in Afghanistan in 10 or 12 years. And that's terrible. Mm -hmm. But at Okinawa, there were... 80% of the naval vessels that operated at Okinawa were either sunk or so severely damaged they couldn't continue operation. And there were 5,000 naval personnel died in that one six-month period. A lot of people don't realize that. That was a pretty disastrous time, too. Where did you serve when, where? I was there. You were in Okinawa? Yeah. Our our sister ship was sunk in a minute and 27 seconds. Oh my gosh. What ship were you on? I was on the USS Massey DD-778 destroyer. And, uh, well, not really our sister ship, the ship that we traveled with was sunk in a minute and 27 seconds, the Drexler. My sister ship was USS Zellers, the 777. And they they operated there also, but I did not, don't remember ever seeing them. But they didn't get sunk either. We came back from there came back with four destroyers, 
went through the Camp Panama Canal and uh, two and two in a lock and then Wilma and I went through the Panama Canal in a cruise, cruise ship. ship that took the whole lock off. Wow. Couldn't get anything else in there. That was quite amazing. <clears throat> so you've done a, you've done a lot of traveling around the world. Then. Oh yeah, we've been in every continent except Africa. Wow. Uh, our daughter flew for Delta, uh -huh. and we got free passes. But we had done a lot of traveling before then. But uh, we continued traveling after that when we got free passes. That was wonderful. Mm -hmm. What was the most interesting place you traveled to in that in that way? What kinds of things did you see? What you went to Australia, New Zealand, any of those places? What was the most exciting place? Well, New Zealand is a beautiful place, big high mountains. But uh, I would guess the most fascinating place I ever saw. It had to be England and Scotland. Uh, Switzerland. We had it, we were having a house built in uh, Bend, Oregon. And uh, we had a piece of rock. I had sandstone, Wilma had, uh, had uh, limestone, and she got a quartz rock from Switzerland. I got a uh, rock from the Scottish-English border, and we had that put above our, our fireplace. And we had it incorporated in our fireplace uh -huh. in Bend, Oregon where we oh. built a tri-level house in the mountains. And it was, it was nice. I really enjoyed that place. I was sorry we left there. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you have a lot of good memories there. Oh, yeah. Um, So you two got married what year? June the 9th, 1957. Okay. When Sydney was 31 years old. So, so he's now 88. Uh-huh. What memory stands out the most from your wedding day? <laughs> Walking up the aisle and I said, oh, Shit, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> in, in Kansas, June the 9th, with no air conditioning oh, in these old churches. <laughs> and before then, he almost missed the wedding because they were having a flood, and my brothers introduced him to gigging fish. And so they were gigging fish right up, and, and they kept... I well, didn't almost miss the wedding. <laughs> I beat the preacher there. You ought to be happy. <laughs> were were you married here in Independence? Yeah. Uh, at what? At the at First the Christian, Christian Church. Church. Oh, okay. But in, oh, before they built the new part, it uh -huh. was, uh, the uh, fellowship hall was new then, but it was the old uh -huh. church. Boy, it was hot. Oh, I have to admit, it was hot, especially if you're used to being in Colorado where it wasn't quite so hot and humid. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Tell me what you admire most about her, about your spouse. Well, she put up with me. And you have to admire that. Because uh -huh. I, I'm, I wouldn't easily be put up with. I do a lot of things that other people don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't cheat, and uh, I don't hurt people, but uh, I gig frogs, and I gig carp. And I play golf, and I'm a fly fisherman, or was a fly fisherman. And I gave all my fly fishing equipment to my brother-in-law, David, the youngest one, the one whose picture that is with the big fish in his hand. Uh huh. Um. My husband was a fly fisherman too, oh, and right? used to tie his own flies. He and his dad both. My dad never tied a fly. In fact, he didn't. He wasn't a real good fisherman. Uh, Bill Pike, a guy by the name of Bill Pike, taught me how to attach flies to leader and. All the things you have to know. My dad didn't take time to do that. But uh, Bill taught me. Like Dean Coleman. Uh, Dee Dee, the girl I told you that I mm -hmm. went with that summer, he taught me to shoot a shotgun. My dad couldn't hit this house from a shot <laughs> with a shotgun from the inside of it. And... Uh, I always thought he married me because he thought I was a pretty good cook in here. Well, I'm not talking about you. I know. <laughs> you are a good cook, and you were a good cook. I was, I was helping coach wrestling at the, at the college, mm -hmm. and uh, Tracy, the wrestling coach, had an extra long practice and uh, Wilma had invited me 
to eat. And there wasn't any way I could tell her that I was still in that gym when I was supposed to be over there eating with her. And when I could get out, I ran over there, and she was pissed. I mean, her wonderful supper had gone to waste. Oh, dear. Cold. And, uh, but I ate it and enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But she didn't like me very well. <laughs> then I explained to her what the deal was, and she accepted it. And if it wasn't for Tracy, when we we taught our first year in a little Manzanola. Manzanola, Colorado. And I'll, this is a little story. They call me up and say, hey, they've got a job out at Manzanola. You're, you ought to go out and check on it. And I said, okay. So I hollered at Wilma and said, meet me out at the airport. So I put her in the airplane and I flew out to Manzanola. <laughs> and uh, I said... Over Monarch Pass. There's, there's Manzanola down there. She says, I don't see any town. Just trees. I said, well, we're supposed to meet a red pickup. And sure enough, here's a red pickup coming out to this little dirt airport. And I put the airplane down there and tied it down. And he took us into town. And uh, his wife was on the board. And they had a job for both of us. So we took it. And... Uh, Flew back to Gun, uh, back to. We flew back to Gunnison. Gunnison, and um, she didn't realize going over west to east over Monarch Pass and Salida was the easy way. Coming back is the tough way. You gotta climb all the way and then barely get over the top and get down on the other side. She just didn't realize that. I'm not sure she realizes it today. (laughs) Well, what he had said to me as we flew over, he said, now, Salida's a hard town, hard place to fly a plane out of. And as he's telling me this, I, I'm looking down and I'm seeing this telephone poles and telephone wires with, a, with an airplane hanging over there that didn't make it. And he's telling me this and I'm just sitting there, I mean, uh, trying to act like I wasn't the least bit scared. And we go over, and then he tells me, well, we're going to go to Manzanola. You look for this pickup truck out in the middle of no place. And so I uh, find it, and we get down, and it goes bump, bump, bump. And uh, at one point when we go over the pass, I said, what was that? And he said, never mind, we just flipped over, but it doesn't, it just, it's, 
that's a usual thing that happens when you fly over this pass. But anyway, we got down and we interviewed and we were desperate for a job because we didn't have jobs. And so, and this was about in August mm -hmm. and school started in September. So anyway, we came back and he had to stop in slide and fill up the airplane with gas. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> we have to take off from this airport and he fills up with gas and does all this, this, and this, and winds up the motor, and well, by the grace of God, we, we got off the ground and got up and got over, but I was so nervous and scared. But anyhow, Tracy Bora, uh, we taught that one year and uh, didn't like the situation going back a second year and uh, Tracy got us lined up in Sterling, Colorado oh. and uh, and it was because of him that we got into to Northeastern Junior College. Uh -huh. So that's because of Tracy. Okay, can I ask you, I've got like two or three more questions and then I'll let you rest. Um, of all the things you learned from your parents, what what was the most valuable, what was the most important thing Sit to down. you? If you had to... Sit. 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 To say... I guess... Just take care of yourself and be honest. Okay, that ought to hold you in good stead. Um, this one might, might be a hard one or maybe it's an easy one. What accomplishment were you the most proud of in your life? My marriage. And how do you want people to remember you? I would like people to remember that I never cheated anyone, that I was honest, and I I've enjoyed life, and I love my wife. And is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to tell me? <laughs> that was Joey. No, I don't believe so. No? So you don't want me to come back again and, and ask you more to. questions? Huh? You, if you want, you can. Oh, I've had a wonderful day today with you. How about her? Well, I think I should probably talk with her, too, and get her side of things. What do you think? Wouldn't change much. Probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <Yeah. clears throat> I think you've had a good life. But I think you're welcome to do it. 
Yeah, I've had a good life. I I spent nine years in Gunnison in college teaching and with the game and fish department and uh, I you I liked all those and then I met her there uh-huh. so it was a good snag <laughs> she spent a little time out the airport I came within that much of flying to Alaska. Oh dear. Uh, Rocky Warren, who managed the airport, told me, uh, got me into 150. He had two airplanes. He had a 150, Cessna 150, and a Cessna 182. And he said, we'll fly those to Alaska, put pontoons on on uh, both of them and learn to fly off of pontoons and then we'll be able to take them off and on and on and on and on and and uh, but he got married uh-huh. and that was all going to be if he didn't get married and I didn't know that uh-huh. but that didn't make any difference because I met Wilma in the meantime and I wouldn't gone anyhow like but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Well, I certainly thank you. It's been a great pleasure meeting you. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you. What a wonderful afternoon.